wild ride. So hang on, sis. Whether you're in a season of waiting in the wilderness or experiencing the beauty of the harvest, whether you're deep in disappointment or living in promises fulfilled, weeping in the valley or dancing on the hill, there is someone there ready to walk with you through it all. I'm your host, Carissa Wheeler, and you're invited to join me as my faith-filled guests share stories of redemption to inspire your heart to wait patiently, persist tenaciously, and hold on to an unwavering hand. Welcome to Hang On Sis. It's episode eight. Our amazing guest for this episode today is Miss Melissa Austin. Melissa is an actor, a singer, dancer, performer extraordinaire, former Cosette in Les Mis on Broadway and the National Tour, and she is also a dear friend and mentor of mine. I am so excited for y'all to get to hear Melissa's story. She covers a lot. She talks about being a child of divorce, which is also part of my story. She talks about the arts and how the Lord has redeemed the arts in her life. And she also talks about some practical ways to combat anxiety. So grab something warm to drink if it's getting chilly like it is here. Snuggle up by the fire, throw on a blanket, and join us for this conversation. Hey, Melissa. Hey, Carissa. How are you? Great. <laughs> I'm great. Good. I'm good glad you're... You. Yeah, good to see you. It's been a little bit. The yeah. last time I saw you... Was that Newsies? Wasn't it? Yes. Newsies? That was over the summer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's been a little bit. So we met, Melissa, when we were teaching. You were doing music. You were doing drama. I was doing drama. But before, <laughs> before I ever met you in mm-hmm. person... Um, since you were not able to come to the teacher's inserts yeah. and all of that, we had gotten connected on Facebook. And I kept seeing all these things that we had in common. <laughs> and I saw a picture where you were selling your furniture in New York City to move back. And I was like, I looked at your furniture and I saw sitting next to your bed the picture of the cross at Swanee. And I was like, what? No, that's too much because that is where I got engaged. Mm-hmm. And it's like a special place for my family. We have a place up there in Monegal, and mm-hmm. we've been, you know, going up there for decades. And it, that just made me feel so connected to you already before yes. I even met you in person. Yeah. We definitely have kindred spirits and a kinship. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's cool. I love and that. And so many other things since then. I just. Yes. Mm-hmm. I am just mini you. <laughs> yeah, mini you, but a better version. No. Better ver- no. Mini me, but yeah, better version of no, me. No, no. <laughs> I have looked up to you, and um, yeah, I'm just grateful you're on today to share some of your story. Thank you. Mm-hmm. 
And I look up to you too. <laughs> Thank I you. Do. You have so much spiritual wisdom for someone your age and and just maturity. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So speaking of stories, yes. Is there a story from your life that you would like to share? Yeah. Yeah. So um I grew up with just my mom. And about three years ago, my mom actually told me the story of how how she left my dad. And I knew that they were divorced before I was even a year old and that my dad was an alcoholic and um, just, you know, had other, there other things that go with that um, that made my mom need to, need to take me out of that situation. But um, I found out that she had pretty much escaped with me in the middle of the night and he had been on a drunken binge and um, she had gotten me out of the house thankfully because he had run his car into the house and or the I don't know it was a mobile home or something we were living in and um, into the wall of the room where I would have been sleeping which she didn't do that on purpose but she knew that it wasn't a safe place so she didn't even have a driver's license and she had my uncle come and pick us up and I had nothing but a onesie and um and so she raised me by herself and my dad would visit sometimes on Saturdays and once when I was about eight years old there was an incident where I actually saw him drunk and he was at our apartment early in the morning when he wasn't supposed to be there and trying to you know knocking on the door and anyway the police had to come and all that and I think he was so ashamed that he didn't, he didn't visit me anymore. I didn't see him anymore for 12 years. Wow. And my mom um, raised me by herself. Um, she raised me in the church. Um, she, she, she gave me the master bedroom wherever we lived, you know. She, like, did her best to, um, to provide for me, sent me to a Christian school, and um, I slept with her every night, and, you know. Um, so she's a great mom, and she covered the mother and father roles for me, which was important, mm-hmm. and protected me like a father would. And when I was 20 years old, I was acting. I, I had acting agents in town, and I was performing and singing, and I was a student at Belmont. And I found out that he and I were both acting and with this we had the same agent one of our agents was the same Whoa. Of course, I was multi-listed but there was one agent that we had in common and I don't remember how that happened but he the agent told me you know I know your dad and here's his headshot and resume and so I found out you know what he looked like now you know we didn't have social media then so you couldn't just find anybody so I knew what he looked like and I was at this big casting call one day that something going on in town where, you know, it's just a big old, y'all come and, you know. <laughs> cattle call. Cattle call thing, <laughs> yeah. And I brought some of my friends from Belmont that were also pursuing acting. And um, I saw my dad there across the room. And he didn't recognize me. Like, I tried to make eye contact mm-hmm. with him. He didn't know who I was. And I even walked right by him at one point, just to, and he didn't recognize me. And I decided to get in touch with him after that. And so I called him up. I got his phone number, and I, I called him, and 
talked with with my grandfather for quite a while and like just we became friends over the phone like we mm-hmm. talked for hours and he was so happy to hear from me and there was so much water under the bridge but it's like the lord gave me grace yeah you know, allowed me to show him the grace that i'd been given and never held it against him mm-hmm. um so we were we were friends and we would go um places together i even took him to church he he was not a believer but he considered himself to be a humanist and he he was well read and you know he had overcome um drugs and alcohol and he um you know was a good person great sense of humor i prayed a lot for him and tried to be a, a witness for him mm-hmm. Um, but when my husband and I became engaged, I was telling him about it and about our wedding plans, and he asked who was going to give Your me way. away, mm-hmm. and I hadn't chosen him. I chose my stepdad because he's been more of a father mm-hmm. to me, but I was going to allow him to be part of the service, but when when he heard that, I saw his, his face drop, and after that, he would have nothing to do with me. Like, he cut me off completely again. He told me, I'm not going to be at the wedding. And he cut me off. It was really, really hurtful. He wouldn't answer my phone calls. And one day, um, a couple of years later, I got a phone call from him. And he left a message saying that he was dying and that there were no hard feelings. He just wanted to let me know. And the Lord allowed me back into his life at that point. Mm -hmm. Like I was able to re-enter his life. My dad allowed me back in. I was able to take him to some of his, um, his appointments for radiation. You know, he had the surgery, he had, Mm -hmm. he had brain tumor, malignant brain tumor. I, I took him to radiation. I, you know, spent time with him. Um, I prayed with him. His wife at the time was a believer he had a cousin who was a believer. She came into town, and we all three, you know, prayed with him and, and um, tried our best to to share our faith with him. And um, two weeks before he passed away, um, he he was at the point with his tumor that he he couldn't really even he was calling things other names you know he wasn't he couldn't even get his words straight but but he did have some presence of mind and he prayed with me to receive Christ two weeks before he passed away wow Melissa and during that time that last two weeks he things from his life were coming back to him and he he actually tried to contact a family that he he had had a drunk driving accident at one point that had killed somebody Mm. And he tried to contact that family um, to tell them he was sorry. And he wasn't able to reach them. But um, I could see that his heart was changing. And so um, if I feel like if God had not given me that grace for him, because I didn't know him anything, you know? Yes. Um, he had not been a, a real dad to me. Yeah because I was able to show him that grace, um, his heart was, was open at the right time. 
the amazing thing is too that I'm able to to see another another people that I normally would have maybe judged that grew up without a father yeah. or with a, you know with parent issues like I can I can empathize with them now even though I got out pretty unscathed I I would say I mean I can see in my life where yes. being rejected by him certainly has impacted lots of parts of my life I've you know I'm very sensitive to rejection and um, it has affected my marriage in ways because I'm sensitive to mm-hmm. to that and um, I certainly sought attention I needed like that type of I, I needed the adoration that a father brings so I certainly looked for attention and in, in other, in men, you know, or in, or in boys when I was in school, you know, had to have a boyfriend. Mm-hmm. But um, besides that, though, I mean, the Lord has, has helped me, has made me emotionally um, healthy. Yeah. Just in realizing he's my father. Yes. Like he, he has filled that role in my life and more. Yes. So. That's amazing. I didn't know I didn't know any of that. We had both talked about maybe when we first met just about the similarity in being raised by a single mom and mm-hmm. my mother would take me around wherever we went. She would put me up on a table or something and have me sing. And I learned I learned the, you know, the current pop and country songs and performed them when I was 7 years old. She decided to let me enter a beauty pageant. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, I guess at the time, my mother didn't know about like community theater, you know, the, yeah. and maybe there wasn't really much of that going on to do. So like pageants were what people did. Mm-hmm. And so I was entering my first beauty pageant and I was, <laughs> I was practicing my, my acrobatic routine and I, it, doing it made my head hurt. You know, I was doing these things called chest rolls, you know, where you would like roll backwards and I didn't like doing it. And my aunt was over at our apartment and she was hearing me sing one day. And she said, why don't, why don't you have her sing instead? My mom said, okay, well, all right. So I sang in my first pageant and I didn't place at all, but I loved it. <laughs> I had so much fun. And from then on, I started competing, and from then on, I never lost a talent competition in a pageant. So it <laughs> really developed my, my confidence. confidence in that, you know. I didn't always win, win the beauty. I didn't always win the crown, but I always won the talent. So that kind of became my identity. I was a singer. And even in school, when our, our school would have the annual spaghetti supper, I would be the performer with a band at the spaghetti supper, you know. And I started auditioning for the musicals when they would come along. And I began to love acting and um, continued dance all my life. So my identity was was that. Mm -hmm. I was a performer. Did that all through school. Always knew that that's what I was going to do. I was going to be, well, at one point I was going to be a singer, dancer, actor, model, and piano player. That's one of the (laughs) things I wanted to be. And I grew up in a church tradition where the arts weren't a part of it. So it was all separate from, I never knew that that could be, I could worship through that. It was always, 
oh, this is what I do to, you know, this is really one of the reasons my mom wanted to get me involved in that world was to keep me, keep me um, distracted from what was going on with Dear my home dad home. trying yeah. to, at one point trying to get partial custody of mm-hmm. you know, me and all that. So she just, she protected me from that through yes. the arts and um, it just became my love. And, but yes, it was all about bringing myself glory, you know, oh, when I'm on stage, I get lots of attention from this. And I, I just never, I never knew that it was something that was given to me to glorify God, really, and not myself, until I was um, in high school, and I went on this retreat. Um, this this person who was discipling me, my mom had reached out to someone to disciple me, and she was she was a model and an actress, and I really admired her, and. Um, she sent me on this retreat with some of these churches, these local churches in Nashville, these more charismatic churches were doing it. And I realized then um, that, that like what worship was like and, and how I really could, you know, um, I could give this over to him. I could use my gifts for, for his glory. And that was that was when a big change came in me. And I, and I continued to do, you know, pursue professional work and, and tried to be out there in the world, but realized that I was to be salt and light through mm-hmm. that. And um, when I got cast in Les Mis, I got cast on a touring company of Les Mis while I was still in college. I, I left college in my senior year to go and, and do that. And then from there... I was sent to the Broadway production, and I performed there. And I was in the show for almost three years in all, and um, attended Redeemer Church, where I, you know, was under the teaching of Timothy Keller, yeah. who, you know, just I can't even describe what his teaching has meant in my life, but um, really sharpened me and and um, allowed me to be salt and light. So since then, I've I've been able to, you know, a worship leader. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, of course, I was able to to serve the Lord that way, but also create art with his people. Yeah. Like, I got to tour with Amy Grant and Michael mm-hmm. W. Smith, C.C. Wine, and those people, and sing with those people. And, like, um, that was amazing. And now I get to share um, the arts with lots of teenagers and kids that I that I teach on a regular basis and the um, next generation the next generation well even the generation after that yes, <laughs> generations, generations down <laughs> I would be more like you know maybe their grandparent at this point but no. <laughs> um, I'm older than their parents um but it it's amazing how yeah God has, has it's really redeemed the arts in my life mm-hmm. for his glory and um that's just amazing. Yeah. It's amazing to me that he's teaching me to trust him. Mm. First with my loved ones. Yeah. As a mom, as a mom, you have to learn to trust the Lord with your children. Well, they're his. Mm-hmm. With his children that he's, that he's given you to, to raise. And um, 
it's interesting being a parent of adults and I, I love um, watching them seek him and, and see what he's doing in their lives. It's mm-hmm. amazing. But I have to trust him with with, with their safety, you know, mm-hmm. with their, and knowing that things are going to happen and um, I'm not control, in control of any of it, but he has his hand on my loved ones. And so I have to trust him in that. But I have to also trust him with my future. I, I worry about what my future like, looks like. Um, as you get older, you worry about your health. You worry about... Oh, you worry about where the world's going, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I have to trust him with with my future and um, and with. I also worry about whether I'm doing the best that I can with my resources and with the time I have left on this earth. Who know, you know? I know that um, he has plans and he has purposes for me and I just walk just knowing that I'm in his will right we have to yeah to trust him and and I'm sure that most uh, most everybody deals with anxiety these yeah. days and you know for some for some people it's their whole identity right oh I just you know I, I deal with anxiety and depression that's who I am you know um it's definitely not who I am but I've had that creep in yeah had it try to creep in before in a physical way even mm-hmm. physically and mentally have anxiety creep in and I refuse I, it's a it's a plan of the enemy to distract and to keep people from what from being bold and brave and mm-hmm. stepping out in faith and I refuse to ever let that happen so when I have felt you know, in the middle of the night, feel the anxiety coming in and the what ifs. Um, I have to just, I just pray out loud wherever I am. I just, yeah. I just rebuke sp- it. Sp- yeah, rebuke it. Speak the name of Jesus. And I don't, I don't personally speak to the enemy. Yeah, I speak to the Lord and yeah. let Him deal with it on on my behalf. Mm-hmm. But yeah, because that has no place. Yes, it has no place, and so many are letting letting that rule their lives um you know anxiety i've had stage fright you know that's <laughs> that goes goes with it I, I refuse to ever let that stop me i just my i just say i'm going to be afraid i'm going to do it anyway that's working for me um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good motto <laughs> yes be afraid to do it he's you know he wants us to cast our cares on him and there are very practical ways to do that. And one is just to speak, just to speak it. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, there's constantly spiritual warfare going on around us. And yeah. speak the name of Jesus into that space and um, and ask him to remove the fear and just walk right through it and do what he's called us to do. Mm, that's a whole word. Yeah. Yeah, we're not we're not called to to live in fear, mm-hmm. especially with like the the state of the world. Mm-hmm. Oh that's yes, a, we can totally yes. be gripped by that, right? Yes, we that's totally such be... a good reminder. And you know, we know that God has gone before us, yes. and there's nothing that's going on that surprises Him. Right? He's He's already overcome it. Mm-hmm. But He, you know, He says in James, you know, take heart. 
I have overcome the world. He doesn't say in this world, if you believe and trust me, you will not experience you know, trouble. Right. <laughs> things are going to suddenly be rosy in your yeah. life. It, it says, you know, um, in this world, there are many tribulations, and that's mm-hmm. for all of us. Um, that's that's the fallen state of this world and of people, and um, we're not immune to it. But we know that He has overcome it, and yes. our future is is. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. This is just a tiny blip in the the whole uh, in eternity. eternity. Yeah. yeah. So, Melissa, to conclude this episode, can you finish this sentence? Hang on, sis, because... Hang on, sis, because God has the big picture. We can only see through a glass darkly. We, we, are, we are caught up in the moment. We're caught up in the past. We're caught up in our fears of the future. But he has the big picture. He knows what he's doing. And we don't have to worry. We can, we can cast our cares on him and know that he's got this. He's got us. Praise the Lord that he has the big picture. After Melissa and I recorded this, I was praying about what direction to take this anchor verse for this episode. And, and I was taken to John fourteen twenty seven. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give it to you as the world does. Do not let your hearts be distressed or lacking in courage. Another translation says, do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Peace I leave with you. Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And we have that promise from the Lord that yes, he has the big picture. He knows everything that's going to happen. <laughs> And that knowledge gives me peace. So no matter what situation you find yourself in today, whether you are a child of divorce like Melissa and I, or you are reframing certain things in your life, like Melissa was learning how the arts could be used to glorify God, or if you're just looking at the state of our fallen world and your heart feels shattered by that, we have that promise of peace, the promise of shalom, and we can hold on tightly to that. So I'm going to close this episode by reading Numbers 6, 24 through 26. In honor of my grandfather, he used to, he used to share this blessing. Well, the blessing, if you're thinking about the song, that's what inspired the song. He shared it after every service with his congregation. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and to be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Peace.